Welcome to The Deep End by On Deck, a podcast where visionary builders, creators, and thinkers discuss world-changing stories and ideas. I'm your host, Marshall Kozlov. Long story short, I don't think gyms are necessarily the competition. I think inactivity is the competition. And really, there's a huge market that don't even don't even really know about these things and, and would probably be quite interested in something that gives them that convenience on demand um, at their fingertips um, in the home. Joining us today in the deep end is Varun Banat. Varun is the co-founder and CEO of Magic AI, a home fitness system that uses AI to give you personalized training on a beautifully designed mirror. Prior to building Magic AI, Varun was the co-founder and CEO of Unhoused, a nonprofit that leveraged technology to reduce homelessness. He also participated in On Deck Founders' third cohort. In this conversation, we discuss Varun's approach to health and longevity, we cover his personal weight loss and gym journey, why European health tech startups have received less attention from the market, and what the future holds for longevity companies. Varun Banat, welcome to the deep end. Cool. Good to be here. Good to see you, Marshall. Yeah, good to see you too. How about we just kick this off by you explaining what your company Magic Fit actually is? Yeah, so Magic is building what is the UK's first AI personal trainer. My personal background was that I was very overweight in my kind of early 20s and I was told I needed to make a big change soon or I was probably going to have future health problems. And I went through a, a personal training program just in a gym here in here in central London and um, lost like, I think it was about 25% of my body fat over the course of about four months. And during that transformation, I mean, it was a crazy process for me. I'd never been to a gym before, found it way too intimidating, um, never lifted a weight be- dumbbell before, um, had no idea what to do. And going through this transformation, I realized that this whole process could probably be automated and and delivered at scale, perhaps using a mixture of hardware and software. And and that was really the seed of the the idea for what we're building with Magic. And that's kind of led us to where we are today. Yeah, totally. And since this is a mostly audio podcast, help listeners get a picture of what Magic actually is then. It's a beautiful wall mirror that you put up in your home, perhaps uh, in your kitchen or, or in your living room or bedroom. And when it's off, it just looks like something you might buy from your, your local furniture store, uh, a beautiful wall mirror. We turn it on, um, you suddenly get this hologram that appears inside and you can essentially follow a series of uh, workouts, programs, classes by leading athletes, British athletes on there who will lead you through a series of perhaps strength-based or hip-based exercises and essentially teaches you all of the fundamentals. Where things get really exciting is hidden inside is this AI camera, which as you're following the trainer, you you get live feedback into your your workout. So they'll correct you when you're doing it wrong. They'll um, give you live feedback when, when you're doing something right. They'll count your reps. And then you get all of your stats and metrics into things like your range of motion and your pace and the different different things like that. So essentially all the things that you might pay a, a personal trainer in the gym, 50, 60, or 100 pounds an hour uh, 
for in or in the in some place in New York, I'm sure it's uh, like up to a hundred dollars an hour. You basically get it um, on demand and 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 available to you. Um, so essentially, we're trying to automate that hyper personalized one to one experience, but using using this this beautiful piece of hardware in the home. Bunch of different questions here. So going back to your origins, a losing as much weight as you did is genuinely crazy in that like four month period. I'm, I'm guessing you took some of the intensity you're going to need to bring to building a company to that right, same right. category as well too. <laughs> as you know, it's a mix of fitness. It's a mix of healthy eating, lifestyle improvement. Mm. So as you're thinking of addressing like longevity and health questions through a hardware centric startup, how do you think of the balance between healthy eating, lifestyle choices, sleep patterns, et cetera, and like the physical workouts you're doing here of the program. Yeah. So, so, um, in, in the very first iteration of what we're, what we've rolled out. So what you can buy today, it's very much focused on just the exercise piece and getting that bit right where you totally get your form and you can, whether it's like toning up or losing weight, um, we're heavily focused on, on just the exercise piece. But the question you asked about longevity is very much kind of the direction we're heading in, where ultimately we want to become like a holistic health coach where using what is this dashboard in the home, you can track your sleep, you can track your uh, nutrition and diet and how that complements the, the actual exercise you're doing. So uh, you're, you're 100% right that when you think about longevity, I think exercise is only one, one piece to the puzzle uh, and that. Uh, the other factors, whether that be diet, sleep, nutrition, they all come into it. And and for us, we're we're starting with the exercise piece and and going to kind of go from there in in addressing the different the different areas. Talk about building in the hardware category because most of the startups that mm. I've focused on, especially in this podcast, and people who've been through the on deck program have been more software focused. Not pretending that's easy, but just the dynamics are an entirely different category. So just introduce the audience to hardware, separate from just the fitness side of things. Like how does the how does an MVP work in your category? Yeah. Yeah, really hard. Uh, you know, one of the things I, I thought about before doing this was like a lot of investors and, and and people even in the on deck community were like, you know, hardware is hard. You should stay away from it. Don't get involved in it. But the more and more I thought about it, um, I realized that actually once you've developed that initial product that works and functions, actually it's no different from any other co- consumer packaged goods business. Um, you know, we're, we're D2C. We have a Shopify site. So we're not really that much different from, if we were selling in, in, in many respects, I don't know, supplements or, or uh, I don't know, some subscription protein powder or something. Um, so the way I think about it is um, once you've got to that first iteration, you know, I don't feel like we're that much more different from any other company. The hard part is getting to that first uh, iteration, which I think was a question you're asking is how do you even get there? And the way we did it was, First of all, we needed some capital and raising raising money for something like this is really, really tough for, you know, especially like a like a random hardware idea. It's unproven. Here in Europe, I th- I feel like it's much harder to raise as well for for these types of things and perhaps in, in the US. So the first thing I did was I set up during like the pandemic, I started selling some treadmills online. I literally just got some from the Far East, ordered in a container. And we started shipping. I just set up, threw up like a landing page and we essentially just started shipping um, treadmills just to earn some cash. 
And I think we sold uh, about 200 of them. And using the proceeds from that, we ended up uh, essentially being able to bootstrap the MVP for what for what Magic is now. The way we did that was I did a lot of research into some manufacturers who were not developing like exactly what we had, but they were doing things in a similar space, perhaps like in like they were developing like display pieces for advertising and stuff like that. We were able to kind of work with a manufacturer to order in samples and start like iterating and tweaking on what we saw like an MVP of this might look like. And then we developed a very simple app on there, which had like, I, I think it was literally six exercises, which just showed something which tracked tracked reps. And it was a very sort of basic MVP. But using that, we, we essentially took it to investors and the on-deck community was incredibly helpful for this particular part. Um, we took it to investors and were like, look, this is not what we're going to send to any customers, but it just shows that we've scraped together using whatever resource we have this piece. And, and it was this huge mirror on the wall. It was way too big for any British homes anyway, but it, it just showed a proof of concept that this is what we could hatch together with very little resource. So if you give us a bit of investment, we might be able to create something pretty magical for people. And that's basically what happened. Um, we, we opened a funding round last year, um, closed it within about three months. And since then, it's all just been go, go, go in developing uh, what what we essentially have now, which is what we ship to customers. So yeah, certainly not, a, not an easy path forward, a lot of risks, but yeah, I think you have to take the, you have to take a chance and and and, and put yourself out there and, and try and try and do your best and that's what we did and and fortunately we struck a chord with 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 investors over here. I'd love to hear you talk about brand and its importance when it comes to at-home fitness products. So a lot of the American listeners are probably going to think of especially if they listen to podcasts tonal right Mirror, which is you know acquired by Lululemon, I hear they're like kind of trying to sell it, and then of course there's Peloton, SoulCycle as at-home bikes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think just because Peloton really crushed getting talent, so you know who they are. They're on ads, especially if you're in New York. Um, but separate from that, I, I'm I'm not quite sure how I would articulate the differences between maybe the tonal brand and the mirror brand, and then maybe the magic brand yeah. too. So how do you think about this in these in this big category? It's probably worth me mentioning that of all of those examples you you gave, only Peloton are actually here in Europe. And Oh, fascinating. The vast majority of people had never heard of Peloton until two years ago as well, because they launched here in the UK, I think actually around, around the pandemic. So before that, the, the category of connected fitness or at-home fitness didn't even exist. And actually, I would argue that even today, you know, 2023, it's still very, very nascent. Um, people kind of know about just Peloton, and that's about it. There isn't really like a second or a third or a fourth in this space. And what's interesting is I think those examples you gave in the US, Tonal and Mirror, have had for various internal reasons have had issues mainly due to mismanagement or uh, perhaps they have stretched their supply chain due to due to COVID. And so they they themselves, I think, re- even within the US have pulled back a little bit and whatever. So in, long story short, what I'm getting at is I don't feel like they're necessarily coming to Europe anytime soon themselves. So there's this whole market here that's wide open to explore. And, and by the way, just by nature of, of people in Europe, they typically 
are about four to five times more active, I think, than the average uh, American. So, so for example, typical user behavior here in here in Europe is that people will walk everywhere. They'll take bikes everywhere. Whereas I think in the US, I think there's a bit more of a culture of perhaps driving a lot more. Um, obviously, it depends where you live. But when we did our pitch deck, we looked into the data around like what's like the market size in Europe versus the US of products like this. And actually, we found they were probably four to five times bigger because uh, people are already like quite switched on. They're already quite active um, to to potential products, but they just don't have any of them here. So yeah, that's that's really where where we went with this. So yeah, brand brand is incredibly important. I think for us. Um, you know, we were working on this for, as I said, a couple of years now. And for us, AI was the differentiator because no one, Tonal, Mirror, um, or Panzon actually, for that matter, neither of those companies have any AI tracking in their products. So when you use it, you don't get any live feedback. It doesn't count your reps, it doesn't correct your form. Um, so for us, we were like, well, what's really going to differentiate us is that we want to build like a personal training system for which actually is hyper personalized. You're not just following a trainer in a, on a screen and it's basically like a TV. You're actually getting that two way feedback. And that's, what's really resonating with our customers as well is, is that um, it just so happened. AI tended was this huge trend for 2023 um, out of nowhere, which helps what we're doing, but that wasn't, um, you know, we've been working on this long before, uh, long before that. Um, so Really, when we think about brand, it, it's 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 the AI element more than the hardware or the or the uh, in, in particular. That's fascinating, and I'm glad that the secret here is that most of these connected home fitness companies haven't debuted in the European market. AKA, we don't have to have that awkward. But how is this actually a different conversation? I liked your point about how at a baseline level, activity levels are different in the UK versus the United States, walking, biking, et cetera. What does the European gym culture look like? Because so much of the at-home fitness pitch in the US is that the gym can be in your home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, mean, I, I sort of missed out a stat um, there, which is like it, people, particularly us who work in like the tech and startup world, we get very, we almost live in this sort of bubble where we think everyone knows about these companies and everyone's everyone knows everything about what they offer but like i i think it was something like only only 20 percent of american consumers actually have a gym membership what what's really interesting is like the other 80 percent aren't even like switched on to these types of solutions particularly so the actual market penetration is incredibly small and it's the same here as well i mean um you know there's, there's plenty of gyms but the vast majority of people are not actually switched on to these types of at home fitness products and, and, and indeed many of them don't even attend the gym one of the things interesting is something like this can touch those people who might not feel particularly like motivated to get a gym membership and go because perhaps they have such a crazy lifestyle perhaps they're a new mum and um, they need flexibility because they they have a kid um, they need to look after so they want to perhaps get a workout in first thing in the morning or late at night or perhaps it's um you know you're a busy professional and and you're time poor but perhaps cash rich and and you've got a bit more time to spend at home by the way i mean the work from home culture is not really going anywhere um so if you're working from home say two or three days a week plus the weekend that means you're at home like four or five days out of seven it starts to become make a lot more sense to bring some of these things more into the home uh, because they're much more convenient 
So yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, I, I don't. Long story short, I don't think gyms are necessarily the competition. I think inactivity is the competition, and really, there's a huge market that don't even don't even really know about these things, and and would probably be quite interested in something that gives them that convenience on demand um, at their fingertips um, in the home. To go back to a point you made around how there have been internal issues with supply chains at American companies focused on this issue, I'd love to hear just at a broader level beyond just the specific tactical decisions by companies, the lessons you've taken from basically the past 10 to 12 years in the US when it comes to the connected fitness space. Because the key thing is, as you said earlier, this is actually pretty new in the British and European context. So yeah. if you're looking at a new market where there's a 10 to 12 year model, like what are your broad takeaways from that experience? So look, I, I think, you know, Peloton went public, I think after, I, th- I think it was about seven, seven years or so, seven, eight years. And, and that was actually by just remaining within the US. I think they only expanded internationally kind of after they had already got, had like the most of their success. So I, I honestly think we can replicate something similar to that. You know, like I said, the, the market's extremely nascent here. There is a big education piece because what made, I guess, a company like Tonal and Mirror quite easy for them to to advance in the market was they could say, well, Peloton already hit an example of how this sort of model works. So we do that, but it's for strength. So we do that, but it's for, mm-hmm. I don't know, yoga or whatever. And um, I feel like like with us, it's, it's we're very much at that stage at the moment where people have just found out about Peloton and, and now... Uh, we're moving to that second order of of education where they're like, what other things could we could we put in the home? You know, what other uh, solutions are there? Or or it might be like, oh, I, I'm not really into cycling. I'm not really a cycling person. I don't really like cardio that much. Maybe maybe something like a magic might be more suited for for me and my family. So I think uh, because we've had trouble that one trailblazer, it should make the education piece much more much more easy. Um, and like I said, I, I do believe the market is four to five times larger if you take the continent as a whole. Um, so I think there's a very interesting route to growth for us, even without, you know, perhaps even going to the US at all and just staying um, staying within Europe. So I think I think that's that's really what we're what we're thinking about. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, you know, do our markets like Asia and uh, which, which are you know humongous, um, and they don't have access to any of these connected fitness products at all, including Peloton. So there's a huge sort of blue ocean space there where which really is worth exploring, and and uh, we're totally open to it over the next kind of ten years. Could you talk about the D 2 C side of your business? Because something that you'll notice in the U.S. is you have, you know, there's a, I saw I saw a tonal store um, in Palo Alto. I you know there's a yes. um, Peloton store where they have you know tryouts um, in the yep. Austin retail area where I live. So how do you think about that? Especially when you're looking at hardware where people are going to want to maybe see something live before they commit to it. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And and I think to for Peloton, they, they quite similar to Tesla, they realized quite early on that they needed showrooms in order to enable the user to kind of try before they buy. And um, and then also it's a huge, it's a, it's a big investment for a lot of people. So um, the way we we do that is we're, we're in two retail stores here in here in London. We're in Selfridges, which is one of one of the prominent luxury stores on on Oxford Street, which is essentially like the Fifth Avenue. Um, so we were we were in there right from day one, which was pretty cool. Even before we did our did our first fundraise, so literally when we were still bootstrapped, we managed to secure a listing there. So people can literally go in the store, uh, do a demo, 
and they can they can put an order in right there and then into in store. And we're also in another uh, another place called Westfield. It's a the largest shopping shopping mall in the whole of Europe, uh, which is also um, here in London. It's in West West London, so people can go in there, do a demo. Um, I don't know whether we would set up actual like branded retail stores. Um, it feels like quite high capital risk, and I, I don't know at this point whether that is the route forward and whether it's actually just partnering with you know large retailers um, who could stock us within their stores, and then people can go in there and trial. Uh, Tonal did that with Nordstrom over in the US. So it might be something similar, similar to that. But I think, yeah, in this in this sort of new kind of world where things are a little bit more constrained with 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 investment and fundraise fundraising, I think we have to be a little bit careful about where we put our capital and not like overspend in, in places where 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 it may not make sense. But but you're hundred percent right. Like people want to try before they buy. And um we do offer things like a 30 day free pickup. So literally uh, free delivery. You can try it for thirty days in your home. You don't like it, we'll pick it up. No, no cost. We'll give a full refund. So we have things like that. If you can't get down to a down to a showroom as well, which which are very important for brands like us, it's expensive. But um, yeah, when people are investing up to two two thousand two thousand pounds or something like us, we it's important for us to give them a good experience. Yeah, that's so interesting because um, just to reflect back on you, if we're thinking about this two thousands twenty tens period, I feel like so much of the brand owned store is like reflecting off of Apple. Mm. Um, that was a consumer position. Hey, Apple, Apple has this iPhone, they've got the Macs, they've got all these high quality products. If you are a new brand and you have a store, just thinking back to 2016, I would take a brand who would do that just much more seriously. But obviously to your point, the investment um, and just company building space is just much different. So you would think about that brand premium advantages versus the cost differently. But during fr more free flowing money, one could see the case for just, if we just put ourselves in a great mall with our own unique store, that's a really useful positioning piece for us. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly that. The, the big question I'm really, really curious about is just the AI side of things. So to your point, you did the helpful thing of focusing on AI before AI became hot, which is where you kind of want to be. Um, you don't want the version of this conversation where you're like, Marshall, I've got great news. We just integrated AI yesterday because we yeah, saw right. Mark Andreessen post. <laughs> um, that's like the very bad version of this. So the good version is you were onto it before it was cool. However, that's also hard. There's a reason why that's not the typical thing. So I'd just love to hear at a founder level, what were you seeing when it came to the potential of AI, they got you excited about that move at a company. And then what yeah. hurdles did you run into? Like, what were investors more skeptical? Um, was it less obvious? Like, how do you think about that? I mean, the type of AI we currently do is not like the generative AI that, uh, you know, we don't, we don't produce any crazy pictures on, on your screen or anything like that. <laughs> well, it's computer vision. So um, it's the same technology which they're, they're trying to put into self driving cars, which essentially, can map out a, a user and figures out what they're doing and right and wrong and counts their reps and basically understands human pose detection. That was the the basis of what we started with. The little insight I had was I w I saw exo like small examples of this type of technology in um, a few apps. Like I think I saw a yoga app a few years several years back, which um, which was on like the, an Android phone or an iPhone. And it did something similar to this. It didn't really um, pop off. And I was starting to think, well, you know, why no one's really driven this this technology forward? It it, it probably does exist. Um, and I found out the reason for that was because 
Um, it was only, I think, up until maybe two or three years ago that the framework was kind of made open source for people to start building their own models um, and integrating their own models into their own apps. Um, it wasn't like ChatGPT where the whole world went gangbusters over it. Um, it, it. It was just a silent whisper. And I think a, a few developers in the tech world kind of noticed that that this thing had become open source. So, so we were like, well, let's let's start with, with, with computer vision, post detection, um, and let's see how far we can go. And um, and that's really what we're what we're driving forward. And when we showed it to investors, they couldn't believe what they were seeing, and that's kind of like why we call ourselves magic. They they really didn't understand that this thing could do what what we said it could. And and when they came in and did an actual demo and went to places like Selfridges and did it on the, literally on the shop floor, and it's counting their reps, and you see this bar moving and it's tracking your form and giving you live feedback. It was really just an incredible experience, and people. Um, I guess it captured people's imagination and a lot of investors were like, you know what, we're going to take a pint on this because we've never seen anything like it um, before. And and I'm really glad that we're in that space because it, there's not really any any competition directly to what we're doing and particularly in this in this market anyway. Um, if we were, yeah, if we were trying to shoe in AI, like in terms of just integrating some form of chat GPT-4 into our product, like a thousand other startups are trying to do it at the moment um i think there'd be a lot more competition for what we're doing um but it's really hard it's really hard to get this right because it's all down to what the user's doing in that particular moment right like if their bum is not lower than their knee and they, when they're doing a squat the computer has, has to actually tell them on screen go lower and don't count the rep um, but if they do correct it then it should count the rep and it should give them points and feedback so um really tricky to get it right to develop this thing in real time and also like very stressful for our developers to have to constantly just be doing exercise as well as coding all day long to basically train the algorithm and it's just certainly an interesting company to to, to launch yeah i like to i have the, i have an image of all of your you know engineers just being absolutely jacked uh from from all of these things <laughs> yeah or very skinny after that yeah <laughs> I'm really curious if you ever could see, because we're getting into the more future-centric part of this conversation, uh-huh. could you ever see magic getting into clothing or other items? I'm just bringing this up because, you know, Whoop, great wearable technology, like Whoop now has blue light glasses right. and they have like Whoop apparel. Peloton did something similar. Um, how do you think about where, separate from technology, you could take like the magic brand if it starts to mean something, and especially in a nascent market? Uh, great question. I think I think apparel is is like a natural fit. I think that was why Lululemon bought Mirror because all the Mirror trainers were wearing Lululemon clothing, and they were like, "This will go hand in hand." And I, I think whenever you're doing something in the fitness space, uh, athleisure wear is like the natural next stepping stone because there's such high margins in the business, and people love buying those products. Um, I think there's like multiple unicorns in this in the, in the space. So I do think there is a future in it, um, like like what we've done with with with, with our central product, Magic. Though I, I do genuinely think that if we were to do something, it has to be something which is like at least two, three, five x better than what's currently out there. Um, I like the idea of potentially integrating technology into the fabric. Therefore, you can mm. get biometric information into how well you're doing or uh, whatever. I don't know how that might differentiate from just wearing or having a wearable one, but 
I think there's definitely a future where I see things like that. Um, I think footwear is one which isn't done enough, where it's such a huge category. So many um, sneaker brands, right, who are um, just crushing it. A lot of like D2C ones, not even, I'm not even talking about like the Nikes of the world. Um, but they don't do anything involving technology, um, which is which is really quite surprising. And so I, I do think there is a future which involves something like that. Uh, I don't know what the right model would be, and it, and it is a hardware company really at, at its core, and you have to get it right. So it's not the easiest task. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there'll be if it, if it happens anywhere, it'll be on your side of the pond, most likely. Um, if we don't <laughs> if we don't do it ourselves. <laughs> Yeah. So two last big questions. So number one, help us understand if we're thinking of like the longer term vision thing, like where, where could this go in 10 years? Um, aside from just like the very like tactical, you need to get your hardware, you need to get the reps in at a literal yeah. level. Give us like the 10 year vision bit. The 10 year, 10 year vision is to develop a, a home health coach. It's like a dashboard. So like how you, you might have an iPad in your home, which does, which controls the heating or controls the the blinds or whatever. We want to develop something which is like a dashboard for your whole family, where you can see your entire health stats. So not just um, exercise, but going, you know, deeper into your diet, your nutrition, your sleep, and it's essentially something you can refer to like every day to track your progress, to keep you on track. And I think I think it would be very interesting to. Like it may not even be in the mirror form that we've developed. It could, it could be in something else, but I, I think it will be something in that space. And then the other angle is perhaps moving beyond health. It might be, for example, develop like partnering with fashion brands where you can actually try on clothes virtually using that same AI technology on the mirror and you can actually see how you might look. So, so rather than just looking at something on your laptop or on your phone, you're actually seeing yourself actually wearing that and you can actually just click purchase with a single single button so essentially a virtual fitting room um for your home um so that's another idea we're playing with as well um which which is not really a million miles from our the technology we've already got in there but i certainly see a lot of interesting a lot of interesting angles from there but but really for now health is the it's the thing that people worry about the most it ensures your longevity it keeps you uh, alive essentially so that's the that's the First, first focus, I suppose. Yeah, and to wrap, speaking of health, this episode is part of our series looking at how technology and startups could address societal problems and health and longevity, um, obviously one of those core societal problems. I'm just curious, as someone who's gone through the health improvement journey, what do you see as the balance between new technology new companies, maybe there's some Ozempic, um, you know, jumped in there. Maybe there's a company like Magic. Um, and just the yeah. fact that there are individual like lifestyle decisions that you can make, like maybe you go for a walk in the morning. Yeah. It, I think the biggest trend is always going to be the easiest thing for people to access. I think that might be why a lot of drugs have kind of taken off. Um, because if it means that you can just sit there and not have to exercise and, and really watch your diet too much, but you can just take this simple pill, a simple injection, then then those things are naturally going to be the things that I think people might grad- gravitate towards. I, I personally don't know how I feel about like, like a Zempic and things like that, which where it's sort of more medicalized. But then equally, I know with a lot of supplements, people have skepticism over if they even work properly and um, I don't believe there's any company that really has developed that longevity pill. Yeah, I know there's one or two companies working on it over in the US, 
Um, but generally, I, I don't think they, anyone's quite got there yet. But at the end of the day, it's always going to be what's the simplest, easiest thing that you can take or do to get you basically to that from A to B. For us, look, we're, we're interested in bringing, bringing personal training that's one-to-one and making it on-demand and accessible to everyone. Um, so we see ourselves as democratizing it and making it easier um, for, pe- for, for your whole household. That's how we're kind of thinking about it and approaching it. But I think, I think there is going to be things in the, in the nutritional space, in the medical space that I think are going to try and um, essentially reverse aging. And, and I'd, I'd be very curious to know how effective those things actually end up being. But I know lots of companies are working on it. Can you just talk real quick about your on deck experience? So with on deck, I joined. I believe it was summer 2020. I think it was ODF six. So quite a while ago, uh, because I know it. On deck's been on quite a journey um, since then. And when I came to on deck, I was actually working on a completely different idea. It was in wellness, but it wasn't in this space at all. And throughout the accelerator, I just got to collide i guess with so many interesting people went to a lot of great fireside chats and loads of, of course the slack group is just completely invaluable and when i ditched the old idea and started going for this new one with what is now magic the very first thing i did was i put it up on the on deck slack does anyone know anything about computer vision and what do you think of these frameworks and i'm a non-technical founder actually so i i had was really in the deep end here didn't have a clue and i think there were about three people that replied one of them proposed a a, a vague solution that i think is the one that we've actually gone with right to this very day and it's funny because i think when when we made it to the top uh companies of 2023 and on deck i think that same guy uh reached out which was the first communication we'd had in like two years since the since on deck and was like oh great to see you you know where you guys have got to since then and um, it, it's just so invaluable, the community, because think, you know, examples like that, any challenge I've got about, especially when we're fundraising or trying to hire our first employees, I just put it out there on Slack and there's going to be someone around the world who's going to have a solution and probably something I've never thought of before as well. Um, the last thing I would say actually is that because we're in Europe, we're in the UK, I feel like the fact that so many people are out there in the US, it, for us, it's actually extremely valuable because it's quite easy for us to develop a network here in, in, in England and get to know the community here. It's very hard for us to get to know a community in the US. And, and ultimately, it's a much larger community. It's a much mature startup community. There's much more venture capital. So for us, it's extremely valuable to have that door to, to the States. And, and I think for us, it's on deck, it's extremely valuable for that more than any of the other communities that I'm a part of um, uh, here. That is an excellent place to end it. Where can folks, especially those in the UK, go to learn more about your company? Cool. So uh, we're literally just magic.fit, F-I-T. That's our URL. Uh, very easy to remember. Or on Instagram, it's uh, at magic, D-O-T-F-I-T, magic.fit. And yeah, you can find out all about us uh, on there. And, and I'm at um, Varun Banot on LinkedIn. So uh, you can reach out to me personally over there as well. Thank you for joining me on The Deep End. Cool. Good to see you, Marshall. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us in The Deep End. If you enjoyed your stay, give us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with your friends and colleagues to help grow the show with us. 
We've also got show notes and more episodes available at ideas.beyonddeck.com. See you next time.